the meritocratic way. It has been established by general consensus that human beings have problems. A fairly comprehensive list would include unemployment, debt, poverty, inflation, pollution, waste, taxation, homelessness, war, property crime and the cost of the state generally. These are called social costs and are created by human beings. None of these problems are created by nature nor are they governed by natural law. What we will demonstrate that all of these problems are created by the state, or more precisely, the law. The question that has to be asked, if we are to live in a system that rewards merit, can we live without the law? If we are under the law we cannot be governed by merit, we cannot even be democratic. The people cannot have power if we are law-abiding. Those who live under the law do not have power because power belongs to the law. But it is not simply about eliminating the law as anarchists think. Illegalists reject the law and deny its authority because we subscribe to the rights of privacy. If the law has power over us then our privacy rights are inherently violated. This might seem a minor inconvenience, but the law is simply opinion codified into a regulation administrated by means of judicial coercion, or alternatively, an opinion issued or ratified as a regulation backed up by force. The law may be considered blind but there is a conscious sapient that is imagining and codifying these regulations, and they are not unbiased. Anarchists have never fully dealt with the issue of why the law exists. Anarchists will create long arguments about how we can manage without the law but obviously their arguments have never been convincing, otherwise more would be convinced. The law leverages compliance to a system that is parasitic but designed to perpetuate itself. The law legitimizes what is not justifiable by reason or logic. What the law does for the state and for all those who are parasites is establish a new or tangential purpose of man. We do have a purpose and since we do there is something that is such that it is able to impose this purpose on us. We do this all the time. Pets have a purpose and the things we create have a purpose. A house with no roof cannot fulfill its purpose. This is not strange, nor should it be. We put a lot of time and resources into making things. We do this for a reason, the reason is the purpose for which the thing is created. It ought to be obvious these things are created for a purpose, not just the stated or particular purpose, but for a more general or spiritual purpose. A transmission has a purpose, but the purpose of a transmission is only fulfilled within a vehicle. The purpose of the vehicle is fulfilled by the role it plays in the more general purpose of the owner. However, do we stop there and make the claim that the individual human has no discernible purpose? Do we get to do anything we wish? But no, we cannot murder, we cannot steal and do many other things. But why is that if we decide that is our purpose? What if we feel we exist solely to create mayhem? If individual persons had no purpose, how could they have value? Why would it matter if a man dies, if he has no discernible reason for living? Yet, we say every life has value. If this is true, what gives a human life its value? Animals do not care about their own kind because the rest of their kind serves no purpose. The concern for their species does not extend outside of their direct family if it even encompasses that. Humans are the only creature that cares about his kind. But this can be overstated, because there is divisions within the human race. There is a sense that some groups have to value and therefore, that they do not contribute to the purpose of the subject group. The issue about slavery is not a race issue as all races have been enslaved and been slaves. The issue is the subject-slash-object division. The slave is the object of the subject who is the slave owner. The slave is considered to have to other purpose than to serve the slave owner. 
This is called dehumanization. This assumes humans have a purpose beyond that which is determined by the one holding power directly or by proxy. The slave owner and sometimes the state preempts the personal desires and will of the enslaved. The slave owner alienates the slave from his purpose. But this is done to a lesser extent under the dictates of the state and its agencies. But what if the slave is a self-willed agent of the state, a masochist to the state's dominatrix role? In other words what happens when the parasite serves a purpose of the state? The basic problem we face is created by parasites, but they are not all the same. The state is a parasite, but it has no symbiotic relationship with Christians. Therefore, there is more going on than the state imposing its existence on the church. Parasites exist because of the laws created by the state. For example, the state makes speeding illegal, by law. The law requires a justice system to implement and enforce the law. The state also says everyone has a right to an education. The state provides a free education, which is education paid for by extortion. The state therefore needs parasites and those with parasitic ambitions. The state has no legitimacy without parasites to service. Democracy gives the state the authority to create and pander to parasites. Ultimately the church is the ultimate problem because it is the host that tolerates the state's extortion and what ultimately amounts to blackmail. The church cannot engage in tolerance with evil. Evil is like dirt in water. It is less important how much dirt is in the water. The point is any filth in water makes it unpotable. But the devil is always willing to negotiate a settlement. No matter what he gets it is a win because if he gets any concession at all, it is as if he has tossed dirt into your drinking water. It is important to understand parasitism, as innocuous as it might seem in the particular case has a purpose and that purpose is the destruction of Christianity. This in a broader sense is the destruction of our purpose. As said, our purpose must be higher than us. Therefore, our purpose cannot be governed by us nor even defined by us. We may claim our purpose is to get rich or bring up our children, but it does not take much to see how easily these kinds of purposes can be corrupted or even abandoned. Perhaps some of us have a problem with the idea of a purpose for man because if we understood the implications, we would know this inevitably creates two groups. Humans are forever fighting and dividing but about minor issues. The political and economic issues that divide us are relatively inconsequential. We can flop from one side to the other without any consequences, other than those who used to support us will now vilify us. That being said, evolution does not produce a purpose. We can as humans adopt an objective. However, a purpose is a design element. To have purpose we have to be designed. Do you know why naturalists are incapable of embracing a purpose? It is because to have a purpose would be to understand there is something we owe our existence to, and which created us to operate in a specific way. That is the first hurdle for man to overcome. Right away there is a group that cannot overcome the hurdle because they do not accept the hurdle even exists. But when we acknowledge that we were created by God, what then? How do we ascertain the purpose to which we were created? Admittedly it is easy to say God created us for his own purpose and his own ends, but this only begs the question. Perhaps we think we ought to dig deep down in our souls and search out the purpose for which we were created. This puts the process very much in our hands. The choice we make is what is termed a subjective one. How can it be from God if its parameters are what we say they are? This is the same problem atheists encounter when they say they know good from evil. They do but this puts them under no obligation nor scrutiny. 
Their choice of what is good is entirely up to them and no one can fault or be critical of their choice, or any later changes they make to their choices. The ability to be moral is pointless when atheists have no need to be moral and when failure, to be moral, is impossible. The morality of an atheist changes according to need. But atheists never do anything that does not have a justifier. This is why atheists are able to commit crime and yet be absolved, at least in their own minds. Usually, the victim is held responsible in some way. When we deem ourselves created for our own ends and our own purpose, there are no boundaries to what is right and good. Yet, there is an observation we can make that could change all of this, whether we are Christian or atheist. No human being made a thing that is natural. That being so, no person has a right to anything objective. Our rights belong only to what is subjective. The natural world belongs to God and even if you reject God that still does not give you license to seize any part of the natural world. If you do seize it, nature, you do so in opposition to all of humanity and against human decency. Indeed, all we need to do is to accept that which we did not create, is not ours and we have no right to anything or anyone that we did not ourselves create. This is not a difficult concept or truth, to grasp. The world is composed of assets. These are real, physical things created by God or that which is not human, for you atheists. If we attach any of this to our being, we have created a liability. But the real world needs to be processed if it is to be suited for human consumption. Food and housing and clothing all has to be processed from the raw material of the world. This we can do and this is in fact, our purpose. In general terms, it is not a complicated purpose. All we are required to do is to leave the world better off than it was when we entered it. We can do this in an almost infinite number of ways. This is where it gets problematical, however, as we need to measure the good we do, 